Hello folks, welcome to episode 13 of the RLS podcast. Um, back again this week with another solo one, um, by choice, not because I couldn't get anyone, I promise you. Uh, we're going to be talking about things we need to leave in 2021 now. They're going to be related to fitness, they're going to be related to nutrition, they're going to be related to just general things going on in the world. Um, I'll try not to get political Um it's probably a little bit out with my um my out with my realm, so I'll stay away from that. Um, I've also got a few pretty exciting guests lined up in the next couple of months. Um, next week we're gonna have Adam Lusbion, um, enhanced sport performance. Um, you'll probably seen him on Instagram over the past couple of years. Um, really big into the world of combat sports, strength and conditioning. Um, he actually works with a, a few guys that are in the UFC um, and a couple of really well-known boxers around the area. So that's exciting. Really buzzing for that one. Um, we have ex-Celtic and Dundee United player Sam Wardrop. He's also a online coach right now as well. Um, got him lined up for April, so that's a little bit in the future. Um, and we've got my coach, um, Joe Parrish. So you will not want to miss those ones. They're going to be good. They're going to be exciting. Um, and yeah, we're totally leveling up the podcast. We're, um, we're bringing in some big guests this year. Um, some guests, I've actually just been properly messaging people this week, like just chancing my luck. Um, and I've had a good, decent amount of response from people who you would think you wouldn't even get a reply from. Um, so yeah, excited about that. So we're going to go over eight things we need to leave in 2021. And the first one is something I perhaps need to actually work on myself, and it's hustle culture. Um, I suppose this is pretty, a pretty hot topic just now um, after the, the videos of Molly May were um, circulating um, Twitter and Facebook and, and whatever else. Um, so what do I mean by hustle culture? Now, this could mean several different things, and it's, it has its positives, it has its negatives. Um, but what I really mean by leaving this behind is I mean thinking that we have to work every single hour, every single day of the week. And that's just what we have to do. Like we have to work, we have to grind, we have to hustle. It just has to always be hard work. Um, and we don't have time to rest. We don't, no, we don't have time to go out. We don't have time to do this. It's kind of along the lines of what Molly May was saying about having a social life and stuff like that. Like we don't have time for that. If we want to build a massive business, then we need to grind, grind, grind. Um, look, I personally, I'm someone that's, maybe needing to actually take a look at this myself and um, the past year has been there's been a lot of work done but there's been a there's been a good bit of balance as well but I think for a lot of people um especially kind of when they've been working in a business for like a good amount of time um they they get to a point whereby they've maybe been earning a lot of money they've maybe been working at it for a good number of years and they might actually just take a look back and think to themselves like what the fuck have I done the past five years other than work? And I think a lot of people have kind of fallen into that bracket lately, um, probably out with their own control because there's been nothing much else to do other than work. And it's just grind, it's grind, it's work, it's work. And you can get into such a, you can get into such a rut with just constantly doing nothing but work. And you hear people throw the word balance about all the time. And it's like, what does that actually mean? And for one person, it might be, it might be a, the weekend off for someone else. It might be a couple of evenings off for other people. They just won't have it. They'll be working seven days of the week, um, maybe out of their own choice or maybe, maybe it's out with their control. Maybe they need to do it to earn the money. Um, but then again, going on to the, the kind of things that 
Molly May was saying, now, I'm really not wanting to go into this because I think a hell of a lot of people have jumped on this bandwagon and just want to throw a couple of insults. Uh, um, she's only 22 years old. I think everyone has to remember. Um, and she went on a business podcast and she has probably listened to it a couple of times and she's seen the kind of big names that are going on to that podcasters, billionaires, multimillionaires, very successful athletes. Um, and she's just fresh out of Love Island. Now, I think she wanted to uphold this kind of... Uh, image that everyone kind of well the image that she wanted to show on diary of a ceo um, you need to remember the name of this podcast um and i think a lot of people took it out of context took that 30 second clip out of the podcast and were like right that's a load of shite she's not considering this she's not considering that yeah it, it was a load of shite let's not let's not be around the bush what she said was ridiculous um but You've went out your way to then go and take in that content, and you've been annoyed by it. Um, it was. It, don't make it come wrong. It's damaging. It probably is quite damaging. But remember, it was on the diary of a CEO. She's twenty-two. Hopefully, by the time she's thirty, she'll have um, wisened up a little bit and realised that it's not helpful to say things like that. She has a massive following. Um, it'll be a lot of young girls. It'll be a lot of kind of young aspiring entrepreneurs that may then decide that that's what they want to do. They're not going to have a social life. They're not going to have any friends. Um, everyone's got the same 24 hours in a day. Um, yeah, some some pretty mad comments, but I think you need to really just take it with a pinch of salt and realize that she was playing up for the podcast that she was on. She, I don't believe she was in. I don't believe that she won't. Well, I believe she'll look back at that probably right now and think, oh God, why did I say that? So I want to flip this on its head as well and also kind of chuck in what I believe could be a positive to it. Now, I believe when you're starting up a business or I believe when you're first starting a new job, there may be a period of time where you actually do need to work like a dog. Um, you need to work like mad. You need to just grind and get this thing off the ground. Um, and if you don't do that, that business might stagnate and it might never actually take off. So there's a place for this hustle. There's a place for this lack of balance there's a place to really properly grind for months on end um or else you you may just not get the business off the ground um in a in a year and a couple of years you may get that time to create more kind of free time more um balance to do the things that you want to do but at the start it may be a grind you've just got to be careful that you don't allow this to continue on year one year two year three year four and then by the time you get to that family friends um, relationships may have broken down. Um, and again, everyone will have heard of this before when people kind of treat their work like their baby and it's it's more important than, than anyone else in their life. And I don't think that's a very healthy situation to be in. Um, I think you also need to understand that you are more than your business. You're more than your job title. Um, when someone kind of meets you at the pub or you bang into someone and start a conversation like, the first thing you they'll typically ask you is, what is it you do? What is it you do for work? Um, I actually found something really weird in Australia that was actually almost seen as an insult to ask the first question you asked someone was what they what they'd done. I remember reading it on a website before I went and it said that it was an insult and I'd actually seen it happen in real life as well. Someone was a bit like, took slight offense to that, which I found really strange, but um, never mind tangent. Um, so when someone comes up to you in the pub and asks you, like, oh, what do you do? The first thing that you'll say is, oh, I'm a joiner, I'm a personal trainer, I'm a policeman. But it's not things like, oh, my dad, 
or my husband. Um, I'm a, oh, could be something else. Could be, well, again, another negative kind of version of this is I'm a footballer and you solely identify yourself as the business owner, the joiner, the personal trainer, whatever it is. Um, and it can be a dangerous game and it will essentially mean that once you lose that identity at some point in your life, you'll feel a little bit lost. Um, so it's, it's, I don't think it's healthy for your, um, your whole identity to kind of revolve around your job and your work. Um, and again, you'll have seen this phrase many, many a time before. I believe that downtime is actually uptime. Now, that's a pretty cheesy quote. There's plenty of these on this podcast. Um, so when you're able to actually step back, um, I know for myself, and I will use myself as an example, when I get a day off midweek, which it doesn't happen very often, but if I get a day off midweek because everything's just kind of freed up and I go away and I do something that I want to do, go out for a coffee, um, just relax, kind of just go to the gym with no time limit on it, um, go for a swim, whatever it is, I actually find that I can then go back the next day and absolutely smash loads of work or I just, I'm coming up with all these good ideas um, and I've just got that fresh kind of mindset ready to really take on the next couple of days. But again, before Christmas, I found the exact opposite. I was working like mad at least six days of the week. Um, I was on the laptop a lot. And by the time I hit Christmas, I actually had, I was ill Um I just felt run down, I felt knackered, and it wasn't through physical tiredness, it was through mental tiredness. And do you really think when you're that tired that you're actually getting ill, that you're thinking of any good ideas, you're you're coming up with anything good, you're supplying a, a good service to your clients or to the rest of your workforce? Probably not. Just imagine it if it's like the, if it's like the gym, you wouldn't go and train arms um, 10 days in a row and take no recovery you need rest in between those to then actually get stronger. It's the same with your brain. Your brain needs to rest to then get stronger, to then come up with better ideas. So hustle culture, first one, done. Probably took longer than it was meant to. So second one, well, this is going to be some kind of rant. Um, and I'll tr yeah, I'll try to get it moving quite quickly. So I don't know if anyone has ever heard of the phrase somatotype somato like tomato types are a thing that i'm seeing on instagram a lot now and it's getting chipped out there from some personal trainers some people are sharing this stuff all over the place um i thought it had kind of buried its head in the sand and um, i thought it was debunked um a couple of years ago um it should have been debunked in the 50s um but i've seen it pop up a few days now um and you'll have heard it before when you hear the phrase ectomorph, endomorph, mesomorph. Um, and essentially what this refers to is different body types. Um, God, this is embarrassing. I actually forgot which one's which. But yeah, so you can get like the, say for example, mesomorph who's wide um, and chunky, finds it easy to build muscle, but finds it really hard to lose body fat. Um, and essentially what these, these body types do is, well, what they claim to do is predispose your outcomes with fat loss, athleticism, performance, um, and how you can build muscle. Three categories that essentially you're meant to put every single human being into. Um, and again, one of the posts I saw was basically saying, oh, um, if you're a mesomorph, ectomorph, or endomorph, you're going to have different outcomes with your training and fat loss. 
if you're a mesomorph, you should be training like this. You should be eating like this. Um, and to me, it was, it, yeah, it just, it doesn't quite work when you consider that there is how many billions of people in the world we cannot possibly categorize all three of them, uh, three of them with everyone in the world. Let's be absolutely honest. So again, just to put a bit of facts and figures into this to really debunk it. Like the original research was based solely on males from the ages of 17 to 24. Um, but apparently it's now universal. It's it's not, there was no study originally done on females. Um, again, I've seen loads of people kind of chuck this at, um, at women and that as well. It's a complete assumption based on you observing someone in front of you. So unless you've got someone stripped down to their to their boxers, there is no way that you can really go, hmm, you're a mesomorph. This is how I'm going to inform my programming or my nutrition. Um, it doesn't take into account like your training history or your experience. Um, you could be a mesomorph with one hour of training under your belt, or you could be a mesomorph with 30 years of training under your belt. Again, how can you be? How can you possibly give be given the same person the same advice? Um, I believe it's just it's bro science at its best. Um, I mean, yeah, we can usually predict the outcome of someone's athleticism from their shape. I mean, you could probably look at someone and think hmm, you look like a swimmer, or you look like a bodybuilder, or you look like a a footballer, a basketballer. You could have a look at someone and you could assume that there may be something like that. But again, there's so many outliers within within the world. Again, look at Ross Edgley. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him. He's had a couple of books. He's um, he's pretty much just a, a nut job that does crazy things. He actually swam the circumference of the UK. Um, he's five foot eight with a bodybuilder's build um, and a big massive dome head, which for a swimmer is a horrendous build like that is probably the opposite of the build that you want to be to be an incredible swimmer um but he was still managed he still managed to swim the uk so would you chuck him into one of those groups and say and predispose his outcomes just because of the way that he looked i believe that you probably wouldn't um and again like the minute that you use this as advice for uh, a beginner someone who's just fresh into the gym, who's never done any training on resistance training, who's never looked at a nutrition um, plan, who's never counted a calorie, and you go to them, by the way, mate, you're an ectomorph, so you might struggle to put on muscle. Straight away, they're like, right, okay, that's me. That's me done. If they believe that they're an ectomorph and they believe that they're not going to be able to put on muscle, then come on, there's a good chance they're not going to be able to put on muscle. Um, so <sighs> I believe that if you see this kind of stuff on Instagram, just take it with a pinch of salt. Not to say that it's completely 1000% useless, like it probably could be used. Um, it is maybe decent to understand that this could be a commonality between someone that perhaps looks like this. This might be something that happens to them. Um, but the minute that you start believing this, it's it's going to basically restrict you to what you believe is possible. Um, again, whatever one it is that you find yourself um, categorized under, um, you're going to end up believing that the traits of those somatotypes are what's going to happen um, in the future for you. So if you see that, um, unfollow the person and delete them. Um, no, nah, I'm just kidding. But it's pretty useless um, information that was essentially 
first thought of in the 1940s. Um, pretty much the majority of research that was done in the 1940s has now been uh, amended um, and it's been either updated or corrected because research is forever evolving. So let's kind of step away from um, believing things that were created in the 1940s. Not to say there isn't still some good useful information from there, um, but a lot of it's been updated. So next one. This is something that I'm, again, seeing quite a lot of, and it's, I like to call them half rep Rogers. Um, so it's, you'll see plenty of people in the gym um, where they are loading up the machines um, really, really heavy. They are going heavier, heavier than they probably can, um, and they're bashing out loads of half reps. They're going partial range, they're loading it up, and they're thinking, I am salt. I can do... 9,000 kilograms on the leg press, but you're only dropping it two inches. Now, it's probably not going to be within your best interests to copy this kind of stuff. Um, partial range, I will kind of go into it. It has its place. There's a couple of different scenarios where it might be useful. However, for the large part, it's really not. I mean, the machines in the gym go through a certain range the exercises that you do within the gym are created to take you through the created to take the muscle through its full range. Um, again, the squat was meant to be done deep. It was meant to go past 90 degrees. Um, so why would you want to just drop 45 degrees? Um, again, you do, you see it all the time in the gym and so I see a lot on the leg press loading it up with about 20 plates and partial range in the exercise. Now, what would be the problem with doing partial range reps but loading it up even further? Yeah, you're not going to put the muscle through its full range. You can load it up as heavy as you want. But again, here's a fine example that would make a lot of sense. So you're about to do a leg press. Um, you load it up with 100 kilograms. You go for three sets of eight. Overall, you've done... 2,400 kilograms of overall volume. Um, and this is going at full range. This is doing the full rep. You're bringing the weight right down to where it needs to go to. So 100 times 8 for 3 sets equals 2,400 kilograms. However, big man comes along, sticks 140 on the leg press and goes, watch this, get out of the road. He does 140 for 3 sets of 8. And that... He says, oh, I've done 3,360 um, kilograms of overall volume. But he's not, because he's only done partial range. He's only went half the way down. So you can half the 3,360, and it's now 1,680. So as you can see, the person that did the 100 kilograms for uh, three sets of eight has actually done more overall load than the guy that was doing the half reps. So that in itself should show you that you'd be better doing the full rep, taking the muscle through its full range because um, you're going to get more out of it. You're going to do more overall load. Um, you're going to get more activation of the muscle. You're going to get a better contraction. Um, and you're not just going to be weak in the bottom portion of the of the exercise. And this is why people do half reps is because when you get to, say, for example, the bottom of a squat, that's when the squat's the heaviest because that's when your muscles fully contracted. That's when your quads fully contracted, when you're right at the bottom. So that's why it's the hardest there. And that's why people don't like going down there. So take your ego away, 
take a little bit of weight off and you're going to get more out of the exercise. I almost guarantee it. A couple of exceptions um, would be things like free range isolation exercises. Um, so, I mean, if you're doing something like a skull crusher, um, you would probably benefit from actually not taking it through its full range. So there's actually, I was reading a study, I've read it before, um, eight weeks of partial range during a skull crusher um, versus doing full range with a skull crusher. Partial range actually elicited two times more tricep growth. So when you consider a skull crusher, if you understand the exercise with a with an easy bar, if you actually bring that bar right up to the top so that your arm's straight and locked out, you're actually getting a mini rest. If you only take it through the middle portion of the exercise, so you take it not all the way up, so you've still got an angle coming back down the way, um, then yeah, you're going to have more tension there. It's actually going to be it's going to be harder, and yeah, you're probably going to get more out of that. But again, there's a few exceptions to the rule, um, and it usually would only I'd only usually consider doing that during um, arm exercises when you're going for a lot of reps, when you're like going for 15 plus reps, trying to get a pump. Um, those are the kind of exercises that I would perhaps recommend partial range. Other than that, um, leave it out your training, and if you're doing partial range on your compounds then you are now classified as a half rep Roger. Um, yes. Moving on. We'll fire through this one, and it's six-week shreds. So I've got nothing against six weeks. Um, it could be a four-week shred. could be a two-week shred. Um, two weeks is probably even worse. Um, so it's this obsession with when someone's kind of advertising six-week shred, get absolutely shredded in six weeks. Um, and you see these guys pop up in your YouTube ads all the time. And I literally just want to headbutt the screen when I see these guys coming up. Um, v Shred, if anyone knows V Shred, he's he's a he's a decent bloke. He's really not actually. He's um he's a terrible bloke. But if you see him pop up on YouTube, I would recommend sticking your head through the screen. Um, I wouldn't really recommend doing that. But seeing these six week shreds kick about all over the place, and it's there's good versions of these if you've got a really good coach who is able to implement education he's able to give you he's able to inform you well as to how to do this um, and set expectations as to what's actually going to be able to be achieved within six weeks um, and then if you understand that for to, to sustain this um, it's maybe going to be pretty difficult so these are these are things like getting in shape for holidays like how many of you have kind of tried to get shredded for Ibiza um, or in shape for a wedding or shredded for a photo shoot. Typically, um, the shape that you're going to get in for these is it's going to be unsustainable and it's it's not going to be something that you're going to be able to you're you're going to be able to keep. Um again, using the Ibiza example again, like if you've really got on shape for a holiday, excuse me, it's probably been an absolute grind. You've probably pushed out as much cardio as you could. You've been doing sit-ups until you can't actually do a sit-up anymore. Um, and yeah, you've probably got an incredible shape, but after the holiday, you probably gave up. You probably didn't do it anymore. I know I've been like that before. Um, I've gotten pretty good shape, low body fat. I've come back from holiday and then I've been like, well, I'm not doing that anymore. It was only for the holiday because you've not got that internal drive anymore. The internal drive was these women in Ocean Beach are going to think I look incredible. Um, quite sad, I know. But afterwards, you've just not got that because your grand doesn't care if you're 
2% body fat or 20% body fat. She's going to be feeding you biscuits anyway. So we need to understand that these six-week shreds, these really short-term kind of intensive exercise plans, yeah, they're good if you want to get in shape for a week or you want to get in shape for this big day. But afterwards, there's got to be another plan. There's got to be something that can lead to that sustainability. Now, I actually think that going through one of these things can actually be really helpful because it can help teach you what it takes to drop body fat. However, if you've not got a contingency plan for after the six weeks or after you've finished that um, that fat loss phase, then things can get messy pretty quickly. Um, it is good to have like an exit plan when you do things like this. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good. Like I, I take nothing away from people that kind of that do these intensive kind of shreds or um, cuts or whatever you want to call them because it's a good useful tool to be able to to have. It's good to have went through one of these before and have the experience as to what it takes to get really lean because um, then it helps you understand that being really lean is not necessarily going to make you happy. Um, so yeah, moving on from that one. So yeah. I'm not going to go along with this one because, as I said, I'm not getting political and I don't really have many views on COVID anyway. But, you know, I feel so sorry for, like, obviously this is based on the fact that we want to leave COVID in 2021. And, you know, I feel so sorry for, like, the the 18-year-olds and that that have just, well, people that have turned 18 within the next pa- within the past two years. Um, and they've literally had two years of their youth stolen. Like when you imagine, well, again, you might be any age listening to this, but if you imagine back to when you were 18, like could you imagine being stuck in your house? Um, it would have been absolutely horrendous. Like missed your first lad's holiday, missed your first night out at the nightclub and you've been in a pub like sat at tables. It's such a false representation of how good it is. Um, and again, like the, I don't want to preach mental health, but like the mental health problems that will come from this, that have come from this have just been ridiculous and then you've you've got um boris setting up the decks around the back having a barbecue um in the summer just is it's mental to think that these people are actually leading the country and you know what we also need to leave in 2021's covid small talk it's like it's just it's so hard not to do it as well especially with being an in the gym personal trainer like if you're looking for something to talk about, like don't say COVID, don't speak about COVID, don't speak about COVID. Did you see the news last night? Oh no, it's 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 not good. It's not good, and it needs to go. It really does need to go. And then it's just things like, oh, do you see Sandra's got the COVID? I've seen her at Tesco with a with a lateral flow hanging out of her nose. It's just it needs to go. I actually I wanted to actually tell the story because it was well, it's not really a story. It's just it's a tiny little thing. But I heard the story the other day. I was speaking to someone and they were telling me about their um their granddad is it's pretty it's it's sad in a sense but he yeah he, um, he tested for covid like he's, he's never done it in himself and he'd actually stuck the full lateral flow thing in his mouth and um, i was just, oh my god bless um i wonder if that comes out positive if you stick it in your mouth hmm, interesting might be a new way to work it um and then oh sticking on to lateral flows i remember the the woman that did our lateral flows um in the hotel in greece she had literally, like, she shoved the swab so far up my nose that I think it touched my cerebral cortex. It was absolutely mental. But, yeah, anyway, let's move on from this. Um, but just to say, stop watching the fucking news, put Twitter away, put TikTok away, and shock horror, you end up forgetting about COVID. Um, you forget that it even exists. So another one that 
I believe that we should leave in 2021 now. It's not just an overnight thing that, that you can do. And it's short-term short term mindset. Um, and it's constantly wanting to be... Get, it's constantly wanting to get these results now. It's constantly wanting to make yourself happier right now. It's constantly wanting to just take that short-term... Um, again, I've probably used this quite a lot in the past couple of weeks, so that short-term hit of dopamine, like what can make me happy right now? And it's going on things like TikTok and you just like you swipe up and down and you're just like mindlessly laughing at things. There's nothing wrong with TikTok, but it's, again, let's use another example. It's, you know that you should be having this nutritionally dense meal later on at night, um, but oh, there's a chocolate bar in the cupboard and I don't really have to prepare that. It doesn't take 20 minutes to cook. So you allow your short-term mind to make the decision for you and you make decisions based off of um, impulse and you make decisions based off of kind of what you want right now. And I've mentioned this book a couple of times in the podcast and it's the, the chimp paradox. So if you've not listened to it, then essentially what it talks about is imagining having like a chimp in your brain that's trying to make decisions for you. So it's you against the chimp and the chimp is the guy that it just wants, it wants these short-term fixes. It wants that constant dopamine hit. It wants to eat that chocolate bar when you know that you should be eating a nutritionally dense lunch, uh, dinner later on. Um, and it's constantly telling you, it's like, it's like that voice inside your head that tells you to do bad shit. Like you're meant to be staying and it's like, go out, go out, go out, go out with the lads, go out with the lads. It's, it's, it's things like this that it, it just tries to make these short-term decisions for you. So I think it's a really good way to actually, um, think about it it's when you're a way to make a decision you know that you'll regret or you know it's not in your best interests you know that your long-term goal is really important but you've got this chimp inside your head trying to make decisions for you it's about trying to like reason with that voice inside your head it's it's trying to kind of understand that like right i know that that's what the chimp wants i know that that's what my short-term decision making wants to make me do but if you can actually take a step back and think, right, yes, I know that that would be really nice right now. It would be nice if I could go and eat that ice cream when I've only got 200 calories left. However, would it be better spent on my protein shake that I'm going to have in a couple hours? It's stupid things like that. And it's it's just taking a step back and actually being really aware of when that short-term decision-making is taking over. Um, so again, something to think about. Um you don't need necessarily need to leave it in 2021. You just you just need to think about it a little bit more because typically our long-term goals are the things that we really want to achieve um, that are going to be massively important to us. Um, but as I always say, short-term sorry, long-term vision drives short-term decision. So another one, number seven, second last one. It's Again, thinking that you can't do something. So straight up when I speak to some people, I'll say to them, do you fancy doing, don't you fancy doing a half marathon? Or can you see yourself doing a hundred kilogram deadlift? And the straight up answer sometimes is, I can't do that. I can't do that. I've never done that. Um, that'll, not, that'll not be me. I'm just not someone that does that kind of thing. And it's not for, it's not because they don't, necessarily want to do it they've just instantly decided that they wouldn't be able to do that because they can't do it right now um, and look there's various things in this world that people can't do 
they feel like they can't do it at this current moment in time. But it's not to say that with perseverance and training, they would be able to do it. Now, a couple of examples with clients that I've had. Um, one client just started running um, literally about two months ago. Before, we, before I suggested it, um, he basically said, I can't run. I just can't run. I've tried it before. My knees ached. Um, I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe after 10 minutes. And he had decided that he can't run. Two months in, he's done a 7K. I mean, it's, I can't, and actually not being able to do the thing, it's completely different things. Um, and you have to understand, like, the only thing stopping you doing the things that you want to do is you. There's nobody else stopping you. Your mum, your dad, your dog, the weather, there is nobody stopping you what you want to do. You could be literally anyone in this world. If you want to go and run a marathon, set a realistic time scale, then you'd be able to do it. Um, it's just it's just something that we need to step away from. If you have this idea of something that you want to do, but then instantly decide, I can't, then that'll pretty much be it. If you decide that you can't, you won't be able to do it. Um, but it's just about changing that mindset to so cheesy, but changing that mindset to I can. Um, I would probably never say that out loud again, but you've got to change it to I can. And something that I was speaking about with my coach the other day and something that it did really make sense, but you've got to bear with me with this one. So it's our beliefs, the things that we believe are possible will equal our results. Um, so there's a little bit of a flow chart to this. So explain what I mean by it. So your beliefs the things that you're led to believe, the things that are in your head that you believe are possible are then filtered into your thoughts. The things that we think on a daily basis um, are then moved into our emotions. So the, the thoughts that we have equal our emotions. So if we're thinking about, say, for example, I'd really like to do like a, I'd really like to do a half marathon, then the emotion may be motivation. You may then become motivated you they you they might then become excited um so the next morning you then filter into making a decision to go for a run so your decision then equals your actions which will be actually carrying out that run and then if you carry out that run on a regular basis that equals your results so beliefs thoughts emotions decisions actions results in that order so you can see how that would flow. If you believe that you can run a marathon, then your emotion may be motivation, excitement. You may then decide to go for a run. You may then carry out that run, and that run equals your results, which essentially means that you will begin to you begin to get better at it, and you'll be able to carry it out. So whatever you believe is possible is possible. Doesn't matter what it is. So last one, another little bit of a rant. Um, influencers on Instagram, influencers on Instagram. That's typically where they where they are. Um, not to say right now, not to say there isn't a few really good influencers that are kind of their information is really good, their advice is really good. Um, however, there's a few things to look out for now. You've got to kind of you've got to look out for these things now. I truly believe that we should on the most part, stopped taking advice from influencers and they were just, they were rife in, in lockdown um, with the, with the home workouts and the, the booty bands and stuff like that. Now, here's an indication as to when someone is probably bullshitting you to try and sell you um, their booty building plan. It's 
I'm not just going to brandish girls because it's not just girls. There's a mixture of different kind of people doing this. However, for the main part, it's like girls facing away from the camera in every single one of their videos doing booty band exercises or doing like weightless glute bridges um, with really tight leggings and then linking my bio for my for my booty workout program, which is like 300 quid for five exercises or something like that. Like you do need to be aware when people are constantly like, yeah, they won't actually look at the camera. Um, it's a surefire way to say they, they don't have any idea what they're talking about because let's be absolutely honest, booty bands have a small, small place in training, but if they are seriously saying that this is what this is how you get a, a massive arse, it's just doing booty band workouts, then you're a little bit far off. Go and, go and nail a very heavy barbell hip thrust. Um, that's poss- probably what you're going to want to have to do. Um, when you see like supplement codes in the bio, yep, red flag. Um, guys that like, they do these cookie cutter programs where it's all based on their own diet and they're all training. Like if he's eating 10 eggs a day, then you're eating 10 eggs a day. If he's eating five chicken breasts a day, then you're eating five chicken breasts. If he says no carbs, then you're eating no carbs. Like, please be aware of these ones as well. Um, guys and girls pretending they're not on anabolic steroids, selling the dream, selling that they can get in, you can get in the shape that they're in um, when it's essentially impossible to get in the shape that they're in if you're not on drugs. Um, I've got nothing against guys taking anabolic steroids. It has its place. And if you're doing it well-informed, then totally fair enough, nothing against that. But it's these people that are quite clearly taking them. They've got delts the size of your head um, and they're pretending to be um, drug-free. And they're then selling you a program, which is obviously giving you unrealistic goals. And they're saying like, look like me in 12 weeks and it's it's just a load of shite it is a really massive load of shite um and we're giving these giving these companies too much money like it's such clickbait when these guys they look incredible you are looking at their instagram and you're thinking right shit this is what i need to get in shape because if he's in shape and he's selling this stuff then i must need this to get in shape and Step away from influencers and giving fitness advice. I would recommend just going through and filtering out them and just unfollowing them. Um, I think it's going to be the best thing that you can do. So eight things we should leave in 2021. Hopefully that was helpful. Um, I've actually forgot to do this the last couple of podcasts and it is a podcast recommendation or a Netflix recommendation. And I've got two for you. So well, it's actually an audio book um, and it's The Art of Resilience. I've already mentioned it in this podcast already. Um, it's about Ross Edgley, who essentially, like, he's just just a nutcase that likes taking on mental challenges. Um, I think it was a good number of years ago he did it now um, and he has, he swam the the circumference of the UK um, after, like I told you earlier, he was, he's five foot eight built like a bodybuilder um, and he actually swam the whole circumference of the UK and I was running a 10k on Saturday there and I haven't run a 10k in a long time and I'm a lot heavier than the last time I ran a 10k and I'm on like the last couple of k and I'm like right if this twat can do the whole UK front crawl then you can finish the last 2k down Southside Road and far for Ryan like actually get a grip um, and you know what it worked it pushed me on um, second recommendation 
um, shout out to Andy Davey for giving me this recommendation. The Dawn Wall on on Netflix. So it's about the, I believe the two guys are two of the best um, rock climbers in, I suppose you would classify it as a rock climber. Yeah, they're the two best rock climbers in in the world, I think. Um, and they basically just scale this wall um, in, in America. Is it oh, Yosemite? Um, I can't remember. It is a national park or something like that. And they basically scale this wall. It takes them like 16 days. And honestly, you've never seen anything like it in your life. Like the guys are literally holding on by their fingernails. Um, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. So that's the Dawn Wall on Netflix. Would strongly recommend that you, you give it a watch. So same as usual, guys. Give me a follow. Give me a rating. I'm more than open to to ratings of anything. Um, be honest. I don't mind. Um, please, no one stars, though. Um, I'm not that bad, surely. But now, nah, in all seriousness, if you have listened to it and you've found anything that you resonated with, drop me a message. Um, just give me a shout. And if there's anything that you you feel like you need to leave in 2021, um, or just give it a share on your story, on Instagram, on Facebook, whatever it is, Um share it to your friends, put it in your group chats, um, any sort of possible way that you can help build the podcast is massively appreciated. Um, and as I said, we've got a few big guests coming on. We've got guests every week for the next four weeks. So yes, you'll be sick and tired of listening to me. So that'll be the last you hear of me um, for a while. So thanks for listening, guys. I'll catch you in a bit.